friends. Welcome back to the second episode of Colette and Matt Have Entered the Chat, a weekly conversation about quite literally the most important thing that has ever been discussed ever. in all of human civilization. I can't think of anything more pressing nope, or urgent this than this right here, video games. I am joined uh, by the one and only Colette Bennett. Colette, wow, wow, what, what is happening here? <laughs> what have we done? I, I don't know, but it feels good. And let me tell you, I'm super excited to show up tonight. Number one, because I'm excited about the podcast in general. But number two, I am showing up as a fully vaccinated member of the human race to our podcast tonight. Yes! Science! Got, it works, you, bitches! Science works miracles. You uh, you got your second shot like t literally two hours ago, uh -huh. and uh, you're you're welcome back to the to the human race. I suppose I'm super excited. I can't wait to like go to museums and like go <laughs> outside and not be super afraid to like eat at a restaurant. Like mm -hmm. you know, I'm still going to be cautious, but quite honestly, like I don't know. It just it feels like not having been able to breathe for like a year and then like sure. coming, like breaking the water and like gasping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what it feels I, like. I, I've said this so many times, uh, it was just it, within our own family and, 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 you know, publicly and, and such, but like in one year, scientists and doctors literally have saved the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They and you have people like, oh, my God, I can't believe I still have to wear a mask. And I'm like, priorities. Priorities. Priority. It's all about perception. Literally, it's all about perception. I don't want to get too far afield from <laughs> a far more important topic than a global pandemic, which is, of course, video games. But our my family's continued struggle here is that my wife and I will be vaccinated soon and that's awesome our children will not be vaccinated for the foreseeable future because it is still being tested right and that is rolling out more slowly and we are you know bummed that it could be the end of the year early next year which sucks because we're waiting for science and studies to say, hey, if you're vaccinated, you can't spread the disease. But actually, right, right now, as of this day, we don't know. So when family members are like, I'm, I'm vaccinated, I don't need to wear a mask. We're like, but we're not. We are not yet vaccinated. So, you know, I, I appreciate what you just said, which was, hey, I'm going to start getting back to my real life. I'm going to start enjoying restaurants. But I still need to be aware of other people. Not everyone is vaccinated. Children are not vaccinated and children are at risk. So please continue to be careful. I'm saying that to you and everyone, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're 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 definitely the the people who, you know, like six months after everyone else was like, well, pandemic's over. We were like, it's not over. We still no. really don't go anywhere. We still mm -hmm. order all our groceries in. Like we were yeah. still doing all the same stuff because both of us are at high risk. So mm -hmm. we had to do that. And of course it was boring. And of course we both like had times where we were like, will this ever end? Like realistically we know it'll end, but like, you know, it, it's been a difficult time to pass through on the whole. And I, for everybody, I know not just for us, but 
yeah, it's, it's like I said, it literally feels like, like, you know, submerging and like taking that first giant gasp. So I am just elated, honestly. Shout out, shout out, of course, again, to scientists for saving the world in, in record time, but also shout out to the modern era, like that we, that, that we spent a year isolated and we still had, you know, the internet and video mm-hmm. calling and video games and whatever. Because if if we were living in 1918 when no. the uh, this the other p- pandemic was happening, what would you have? Um, you would sit. You would sit inside your house by candlelight, and yeah, I don't know. What, I think they wrote letters, but then like, letters. could you even go drop the letter at the post office? Like, I don't know how all that would work. Like, yeah, it's really not the same. Whereas, like, when the pandemic was hitting in full swing, Animal Crossing had just come out. And yeah. let me tell you, I could have disassociated by staring at a candle in a darkened room, or I could have disassociated by playing Animal Crossing. The latter was much more preferable. Cannot disagree. Cannot agree more. I cannot. I cannot fight you on that. What a time to be alive, even, even in the worst of times. Uh, I'm your co-host Matt Silverman, and I have to say that this silly program was just. it was something that you and I were yearning to do, something that was kind of like, hey, what if we did this? And now it's here. And it, it is really just a, a, just us having an outlet to ramble about things we really love. And, you know, you tweeted and shared that this existed. You tweeted and said, hey, what if this existed? And like people from all over the known universe came out and said, oh my God. Yeah. I can't believe, yes, this has to, you have to do this. I can't wait for this. And uh, just the outpouring of support and love and like, you know, real listeners who we will talk uh, talk about and to momentarily, but uh, holy cow, thank yeah. you. And and what do you make of all this? Um, it's overwhelming in the best of ways. It is kind of like a shock of joy to my system (laughs) that I have desperately needed, Um, which of course, you know, when you said, hey, why don't we do the show? That was definitely not was on my mind. Right. But, um, you know, Destructoid in my time there marks a very important part of my history with the career I have right now, because when I started there, that was the very beginning that and Kotaku of my video game time. And so, you know, the last time I podcasted was at that time. And it literally feels like a lifetime to me. I mean, between, it, it, it basically it is. It was like, you know, that was 2007 and we're now in 2021. So it is, but it's just, it's wild. So for me, it kind of has this cool effect of like allowing me to look back and remember a time where I was a very young, very inexperienced, and in my opinion, not very good writer that was like, (laughs) you know, I just have to write about video games because I have this big love. And I saw these same people coming out of the woodwork then too, and saying, I love your work. I love what you're writing. And I just, I just, it was like, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it's like, here I am on, you know, far past all those years, you know, like, in the place I'm at in my career, you know, and, and it's not like I'm on the very top, but like, it, it feels like quite a journey since and seeing people come out of the woodwork and go, Oh my God, I was such a retro force fan. I can't wait to listen. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> that was like what 13 fucking years ago like why do you even remember that like and i don't say that in any like judgmental way it mostly is just like it's crazy to be remembered that long by people but, that you haven't it, met and it, that you it, like it matters to people it matters right. to people i mean that's like saying yeah I, i'm 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 grasping at some silly straws here but it's like I don't know, remember friends or the office. It's like people yeah. spent lots of time with personalities, characters, uh, people that they brought into their lives, right. into their home. And then it's like, wow, that show is 20 years old, but oh my gosh, I just love to rewatch it or remember it or oh my God, look back on those times. The X-Files. Yeah, you were, yeah, I was you were literally memeing. going off and like, like throwing memes in our discord about the X-Files this morning. And like, I, yeah, I literally look at a picture of Mulder and Scully and feel love. But the difference, I yeah. think, is that, like, you know, we're real people. And, like, when you connect to real people that you relate to via the Internet, that can be such a powerful thing. So, and, well, and speak not for just... yourself. Speak for yourself. I, I am not. I have never claimed to be a real, quote unquote, real person. But go on. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is that it's really easy for me to say that, you know, like, oh my God, you know, thank you so much for like, like remembering, you know, who I am and what I've done. But to be honest, it also is like such a big deal to me too, to be remembered and thought of that touches me. And like in the middle of this, like crappy ass pandemic <laughs> has just like lifted my heart up. So like, if you're listening to the show right now, Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for caring. It just means like so much. I have two important points right there to make. One is uh, David Duchovny is a pretty deep, cool, interesting guy. I really? recently heard him on speaking of real people like you're. Oh, you're, my God. You're, are you about to talk about meditative story? Uh, no, I'm not familiar uh, with I thought, that. I, I was about to literally lose it. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Well, so I mean, I'm, this might be all connected, but you yeah. know, you're talking about Mulder uh, of as you know, all of my affection for this character. But like, uh, I heard David Duchovny on uh, Mark Maron's podcast uh, uh, WTF. Okay, and it's just you know, Mark Maron is an amazing interviewer. So he's like, hey, tell me about your life, your childhood. When did you get into acting? And he's like. I don't know. They got into some deep philosophical shit. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Really? David Duchovny can hold his own when it comes to existentialist philosophy. He, oh, he's yeah. an author. He's a, he's, he writes mysteries or whatever, like murder mystery or something. I, I haven't read his stuff yet. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, I found it really wonderful where he, he was talking about coming to terms with, the fact that X-Files was like a weird, crazy, dumb show that nobody ever thought would go anywhere. And right. then it's like, well, now I am Mulder and will never not be Mulder. So like no matter what show or movie or anything else he does in his career, writing books, he can never not be that person. And so if he is seen in the world by fans, he... It's like if you're a band and you're only known for one song and you're right. like, but we have all these other albums. And it's like, no, 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 that um, one song. I love that song. And it's like, you can't escape that. And so he, he talks about coming to terms with that. I bet. And it was I just found it fascinating. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that. And I'm so glad that you brought it up. Um, 
because I, I, I do really love him. And, and despite the fact that Fox Mulder was a character that I love mm-hmm. so much, even like, you know, 20 some odd years ago when I was like binging X-Files and like <laughs> rushing home to record it every night with my VHS, VHS. Like, player on a hundred nights of the X-Files on FX. Like I, I was cognizant that Fox Mulder was a character and that David Duchovny was a person and that without David Duchovny's ability to invent Fox Mulder wouldn't have existed. So oh, I think yeah. I've always seen them as kind of two people, if that makes sense. Uh, well, yeah. And I think that's special when you have a character, you have a, a single actor playing a character, not like, okay, here's a movie script and it's two hours and that's it. This is a, mm-hmm. a character that has inner life that evolves over, you know, seven years or however long a show runs, then yeah, the, the Duchovny-ness of David Duchovny ha- is is intertwined deeply with the ca- the, car- the, mo- the character. Did you just say Duchovny-ness? Yes, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an adjective. <laughs> oh my God, um, I love my, it. And my second very important point that I need to put on the record here is that I had no idea that you were uh, a part of the Destructoid Retroforce Go team or that you had written for Kotaku when I said, hey, what if we did this podcast together? So at no point was I like, oh yeah, she has all these like fans and connections and experience. I was just like, Colette and I like to talk about games in ways that <laughs> few people do. What if we did this? And you're like, oh, that would be so great because of this other time. And I was like, what? <laughs> you ha- you did all this other stuff too? And so ju- I, know, just for the I'm, record. I'm not a braggy person. I'm just not. And, <laughs> and also it's like, like I said, it feels like another life a little, you know? Yeah. So it's not that it's it's a part of me. But like, you know, the things that are a part of you, you don't just walk around like like parroting them to everyone around you all the time. You're not you like, could. well, I used to be you a could. video game writer. It's like, you know, I could. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, you're. but I, I see where you're coming from, where you're like, you oh, could my get God, a T-shirt. what? You could get a T-shirt on Etsy that was like, I wrote, I write about video games. <laughs> In 2007, I wrote about, and then you could just walk around and, and then people would know. I guess you're right. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> that's super funny. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So speaking of listeners, uh, we already have some email from our beloved listeners. So let's get into it. This email is from uh, a brand new listener. Everyone's a new listener because we have one episode besides this one. Uh, this is from <laughs> Alex. Uh, Alex uh, was was chatting with us on Twitter and we were talking about the episode and games and we said, hey, you like uh, send us a note because we want to know what you're playing and, and what you're thinking about. So I'm going to read this email from Alex and uh, this is mostly going to be for you. I have questions about it. Uh, so here it is. Hi, Colette and Matt. Uh, Colette mentioned in the last episode she wants to play Persona 5 Strikers, uh, a game I've recently started playing myself. This is Alex talking. Pause. Uh, I'm aware of this game. I'm vaguely aware of Persona as a franchise and as a concept, but I I need more education. So we will get into that shortly. Oh, you're about to get schooled, but I'll hold it until after the email. Please, unpause. Back to Alex's note. (laughs) While it while it is a follow up to one of my favorite games ever, I was initially hesitant about playing it. As you may know, Strikers replaces the traditional RPG battle system from the first game with a more Musou style hack and slash system that I typically don't enjoy. The whole the whole quote fighting tons of enemies on screen at once Dynasty Warriors style thing never appealed to me. 
after hearing much praise for the game and that the story was actually a proper sequel, my curiosity rose and I decided to give it a shot. To my pleasant surprise, Strikers turned out to be a lot of fun and retains much of what I love about the game, even though, uh, even with the the different battle system, uh, which uh, Alex says he has come to enjoy. So uh, he's also saying that he might go on to play other Muso games, nice. for example, uh, Zelda Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Um, so he is asking here. Uh, has there ever been a game or a whole genre that you avoided playing for a long time because you didn't think you'd enjoy it only to eventually love it? Uh, Alex also says, thanks for the great show. I really enjoyed the first episode and can't wait to hear more. So I'm just smiling at my mic like a goofy moron right now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's such a good, honestly, that's such a good and like wealth, like I don't know. I really appreciate this. Like this email makes me feel like it's like the three of us like hanging out chatting. So Alex, yep. thank you first off yep. for for sending us this. Um and to to answer your question from my perspective, um yeah. I mean like I'm not interested in Muso games like at all <laughs> and I, I I would never have been. But here's the thing. And this is going to be good for Matt because he doesn't know about the cult of Persona. Yeah. <laughs> Persona is unlike any other RPG there is. And I I think that that is a combination of things that is, you know, I think if you look, like, for instance, if you look at Persona 5, you're like, oh, it's so stylish. Like, but, and it is, right? Or, oh, the music's so good. And it is. Mm -hmm. But from the very beginning of the Shin Megami Tensei franchise, which is what Persona is a part of and which also has its own series of games. I'll get into that in a little while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's dark. It's unapologetically dark. Okay. And there are themes. There are always themes um, that are multi-layered and that you would definitely have to have an awareness of Japan's overall culture and right. belief system to fully okay. grasp. Okay. So, uh, a quick, for instance, is that, uh, persona four was there. There's always some, some consistent com components about persona games and have been from the very first persona game. And those components are that you have an unnamed protagonist and he eventually, or sometimes she eventually ends up meeting up with another group of characters and they have to contend with, summoning up a part of themselves that is called a persona that is like a more powerful kind of like avatar type creature um and the persona is actually what does a great deal of the fighting for them in persona games okay okay but this is this is new i i didn't know any of this yeah uh, well here's wait, a but but quick question yeah. just for context is this a Final Fantasy kind of situation where the previous games are not the same characters, but the themes and the world style Correct. is, is that so okay? You always have United themes and Persona games, and they will always be that the characters have to come to a point where they face an inner part of themselves in order to bring their persona out. Mm -hmm. Um, in every game, there's a different way for them to summon the Persona. Persona 3 got a lot of attention because in that game, the characters used what was called an evoker to get their personas to come out. And they basically, the evoker looked like a gun and they shot themselves in the heads. 
to get. Oh, wow. Yeah, great imagery, like really dark, but also like really just, ah, like it just grabbed me. That was Persona 3 was my first Persona game. So, and so, so sorry, sorry to ask uh, these uh, cascading questions, but. <laughs> no, it's fine. Ca- the characters are not the same people game to no. game. Themes and, and concepts are translating, but uh, uh, same universe, same world, canonical world, or again, Final Fantasy-esque situation where like the world in Final Fantasy VII is not the world from Final right. Fantasy IV, for example. So the only connecting thread is that every game I can think of right now from Persona, I cannot speak to Shin Megami Tensei, but every mm-hmm. game in Persona takes place in Tokyo somewhere in tokyo partially other than that that's the only unifying thread none of these characters know each other none like you know you might in one game so it's not a parallel universe situation it is the tokyo that persona 3 inhabits is the same exact tokyo that persona 5 inhabits is that an accurate statement that's correct but in order for these characters to pursue the storyline and go into like the dungeon crawling portions of the games, mm-hmm. they will enter an alternate reality. And those are all different. Oh, None of those are and that's in all, any way that goes related. Crazy. Cool. Yes. Okay, cool. Like in Persona 4, they figure out that they have to go through a television in order to reach the alternate universe. But okay. uh, without going on and on and on about it, like the, the kind of gist of Persona games is always that the act of facing the Persona is kind of like coming to terms with and facing your true self. And there's a lot of like, um, there's a Japanese concept actually that I, I think that a great deal of Persona's concept is based on and it's called One Tatame. And what it means is true face versus like the face you show others. Oh, and yeah. this is a big concept in Japanese culture. Basically the face you show others is like that politeness that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of slight coolness, but that face is not the face that you that's not your real face. Your true uh, face uh, this, is, is this only is, seen at home. This is a concept that is uh, true to all of us across all cultures, but right. it is interesting that there is no word or phrase for this in, in English, that it is a, right. it is a, uh, a, a cultural touchstone for Japan. But for us, even though we experience this we uh, every single word. day, we don't talk about it. We don't yeah, think about it's, it. It's, they, I think they definitely have a, poeticness oh, oh, I that's would say. nice that's yeah. a nice way to, to and, put it yeah but at any rate um yeah i so yeah like you know one is like the person's true feelings and desires and the tatame is the behavior and opinions one displays in public um okay. so you know it's really easy to say like oh it just kind of sounds like you're two-faced or whatever but anyway the, the bottom line of this is in every persona game that concept is played with and in every game the the characters are 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 put in a position where in order to fight and and summon their personas and basically come to the height of their powers they must come to terms with their true face mm-hmm. it's really cool yeah <laughs> but, but and and then outsider looking in my uh other knowledge of pers- limited knowledge of persona is that it is all about relationship building and forming and that has uh gameplay mechanics or am i thinking of something else no you're not um i would say that the best way to describe the persona games would be that they are a hybrid of a dungeon crawler and a dating sim and i think that when you say that to a person who 
maybe has never played one or the other or, or dating sims more specifically, you might be like, well, that sounds like it could be kind of trashy, but in a good way, like Cheetos popcorn. But <laughs> <laughs> it actually it actually is so much more, in my opinion, elegant than uh, it sounds. Um, uh, you know, like the dating is chased. Like, you know, when you get to the max dating level with a character, you know, like you kiss them or something. Like, it's not like you're, yeah. you know, like hooking up in a room to go fuck. Like, it's very... Right. And like, to me, the deepening of the relationships is really interesting too, because as you get to know these characters, each character that you might try to deepen a relationship with, those stories are really good and really human and true. And I think that's that's one of the things that makes it so exciting for me is that I'm not just leveling up to like, you know, I don't know, like, like see like a girl's tits or something like (laughs) I'm going to get like, excuse me, this is a family program. (laughs) It is so fucking not, (laughs) but, but like, I guess what's happening is that it's rewarding to me because you're deepening relationships where you get to know things about a part about these people, about these characters that are private. And that also are things that like, I think all of us can relate to, you know, like, like I don't talk to my daughter anymore. We used to be able to talk, but we had a falling out or, you know, and a man who doesn't really know how to patch things up with his daughter or a little girl who's terribly lonely because her father's a policeman and he works all the time. So like these mm-hmm. stories have heart and I love mm-hmm. that. Like no matter how many persona games I've played that same depth and, and warmth has been in all those relationships that I've maxed. So I think that's another, another thing about persona that really impresses me and really makes me just run for every new entry in the series. And I mean, of course it also doesn't hurt that the animation and the art style is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. It looks very, like you said, very stylized, but very, uh, very cool, very hip, very sexy. This is, I, I it is making me think of fire emblem three houses because those mechanics were there too and i'm not like a longtime fire emblem fan but mm-hmm. when three houses came out for switch it w- it really appealed to me as like a strategy lover but like truly half the game is wandering around the school forming relationships with uh the um the uh cadets or whatever you know this the 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 kids in the school um and that leads to wonderful stories like you were Mm. saying in persona like wonderful personal stories that you just enjoy learning about but then it also has gameplay ramifications where if you're if if you're eating with the characters or cooking with the characters or completing quests with the characters they they have some sort of affinity system where if they are standing next to each other in battle or supporting you in battle it increases the stats or the damage or the defense or whatever and when those two that's why three houses was i found it to be a wonderful game uh though i didn't finish it and maybe i should well, it's Rethink a pretty deep that. game, so it's understandable, I think, if you, you know, didn't get there. <laughs> it, I, I, it's a side thing, but it, it, it got, I don't know, it got repetitive and, and slow in the battles. And then I, I kind of hit a battle wall where I couldn't progress. And then mm-hmm. I, and then I probably found another game to play, but, right. um, but, but loved it. And, and so the intertwining of those, of those two halves of the game Right. Uh, being meaningful to each other uh, mechanically is is really important to me. So 
a, 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 a final question for you about persona is, um, do the, aside from great stories, do those relationships bear mechanical fruit yep. in the, in the gameplay? Okay. Great. Everything, every great. single thing you do is, is everything you do in the real world when you go to the shadow world or whatever it's called, it's called the shadow world in one of the games, everything is mirrored. Yeah, that's okay, cool. That's great. Yeah, so it's really, it's rewarding on multiple levels. But um, so, anyway, I could literally spend the entire podcast talking about Persona, so I'm not going to do that. But I am going to go back to Alex's question, which very, was very like, good. he asked a question. Um, anyway, so yes, has there ever been a game or a whole genre you avoided playing for a long time because you didn't think you'd enjoy it only to eventually try it and love it? Yeah, there's been a lot of genres that I've avoided. And I think... <laughs> I think, interestingly enough, one genre, I don't even know if you can call it a genre, but like, I guess you would say like shooters, because mm. to me, when when the first person shooter was popularized, it was like Halo. And mm -hmm. that was the beginning of my my experience hearing the words first person shooter fps mm -hmm. and i remember being like i don't care about any of those games those games are like for dudes that want to like mm -hmm. get online together and be like oh yeah let's let's shoot stuff like like that yep. was like my my picture in my mind of what like fps players were like or like yep. dudes wearing their backwards caps and like as soon as you get on like line with them within five minutes like they call your mom a faggot or something like yeah, 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 that yeah. to my that was my Mount, picture of like this is this is fps right so i think i made like an association with it and it was hard for me to overcome my own association so what i broke that rule for was bioshock uh-huh bioshock is technically an fps but it was so mm -hmm. well dressed that i had to try it and after trying that i was like you know what i definitely don't like military fps but fantasy mm -hmm. fps mm -hmm. it's different so it wasn't the fps part that was the problem it was the the dressing that was the problem for me. So do I like run like head on towards FPS games today? Uh, not exactly. But once again, it kind of depends on the way that it's set up for yeah, me. Uh, the, the, the setting and the dressing is, is everything. Like I, I have zero interest in the call of duty warfare world war ii modern warfare kind of stuff just because that setting it just it truly doesn't appeal um, right but i enjoyed the first two halo games i never i've never owned an xbox so they were always uh inaccessible to me until mm -hmm. they eventually eventually came to pc and now are all on Everywhere. slash coming to pc right side note Pro tip, uh, the Master Chief Collection literally went on sale on Steam today, and I was like, I don't have time to <laughs> play all these games now, but should I just buy this whole collection for $20? I, See, I don't to me, know. that's so dangerous, because what it means is, the, the, the key phrase is, someday... And yeah. in my experience, someday means never when it comes to games. It is it is on my medium to long term list, but that as as we all know gets longer and longer. So it's just, it's not at the top. But I enjoyed the the story of a the sci fi story of Halo and the shooting of Halo very much. I have very good memories of that. Zero interest in multiplayer Halo, as you exactly because of everything you just described. Right. Um, so I, I get it. Yeah. I, I I get it. 
yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but I think, I think if there's anything I learned from that experience is that you need to be, or I need to be, I should say, careful not to, I guess, judge a book by its cover is probably the best way to put it. So to loop back around to the beginning of what Alex said about, like, he was so pleasantly surprised by Persona 5 Strikers, I think I had a moment of pause, too, despite the fact that I would literally buy, like, a plastic bag with the Persona logo on it. (laughs) I had a moment of, like, oh, Musso, I don't like Dynasty Warriors either and so i was like you know like i like uh, like if i go back to persona 4 like persona 4 was successful enough that atlas eventually put out um persona 4 dancing all night which was a dancing Mm. rhythm game i love rhythm games i love persona i did not love that game Uh, like Mm -hmm. don't know why certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't poorly made it just didn't Mm -hmm. like click for me right okay So I was like, ah, man, I don't know. And so I think the reason I didn't buy it right when it came out wasn't that. I think it was like I was determined to finish something else first. Okay. And so I didn't get to it. And then something else got in the way and then I didn't get to it. But like, I've been thinking about it regularly. And actually, I have next week off work. And I was like, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? I'm going to play Persona 5 Strikers. But like uninterrupted. So instead of like That's an cool. hour or two at night, I'm literally just going to be like, I'm going to play this like for three hours, five hours if I feel like it. So that's what I'm I, going to do. Goddamn. I'm very envious of that because <laughs> I will never forget a friend of mine. This is, this is ages ago, uh, uh, you know, when we were when we were working in media, a fellow, fellow writer, editor. And uh, this was before, you know, anyone had kids. So like the idea, you, like, as a parent, you, you can't you can't take a week off from like, you can never sure. have that again Ever. until maybe you know they grow up or whatever. Right. Um. But even back then, it was a a, a colleague of mine who was like, "I'm going to take vacation on the day that Skyrim comes out, and I'm going to play Skyrim all week." Yep, all I did that for ev- every Final day. Fantasy game up to 10. <laughs> I kid you not, every Final Fantasy game up to 10, but well, I should say between 7 and 10. So 7, 8, 9, and 10, I was that kid that was outside GameStop waiting to buy the game and then was going to go home and take my week off and enjoy the game. And like, oh my God, what a nerdy ass thing to do, but I loved it. Uh, well, but that, so that simuled a grown adult saying, I'm going to spend my hard-earned PTO yeah. Playing one single game, I simultaneously I'm like, I'm so I respect you and I'm so jealous of you. And then I'm also saying, like, wow, really? Like, yeah. We, it, there's no like pool or vacation or there's nothing else going on in your life. And and, and that's I don't know. I'm being a dick. I don't want to criticize because no. I truly now, now that I can never have that, that sounds right. No, but majestic. I get it. I get it. Right. Like even as a fellow gamer, you, you might be like, why would you do that? Right. But like, you know, there are some games for me and it's very few these days, but games that I really hate having to break up the flow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah Especially yeah, yeah. story heavy games. And sure. I know that persona is, is story is a big 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 thing with these games and Mm -hmm. and deeper story than it might look so yeah that's the main reason why and it was the same thing to me with final fantasy games like you know specifically square enix uh, sorry Mm -hmm. square soft 
Final mm-hmm, Fantasy games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, that also is not for everybody. Some people also are like, I like to game in one hour or two hour bursts. And the idea of sitting all day is like, ew. Yeah. Um, story games and games with he- deep, heavy mechanics, especially like I, I love the factorios and satisfactories of the world where it's like, I'm spending all of my brain cells trying to figure out how to r- route a power system to a conveyor belt to move iron bars into a system. And it's <laughs> like, I am, I am in this game. And if I stop playing for two days, I come back and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I was oh doing. Oh my God. Here. I get what that is too. Happening? And I just thought it was because I like have such a bad memory. So <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me that like only 48 hours away from a game can make you like, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> And it's it's a shame because like I I love my satisfactory factory. Uh, I put a lot of work into it. I I I don't know that I can go back. There's a there's a statute of limitations on it where it's like ah well fuck I can either never play this again or I can start again start new. Uh, anyway, I, I want to loop quickly right back to Alex's question before we move on to what we're playing because what I'm hearing in a beautiful way is that the Persona franchise is so wonderful and great for you that it 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 has compelled and will compel you to play that brand in another genre yeah and in the in this muso dynasty warrior genre and then i'm also going to then parallel that to i love zelda every single uh, almost every single zelda game you could imagine and so zelda coming out as a uh, uh, as hyrule warriors or or age of calamity when that tra- when those trailers hit i was like i've never played a dynasty warriors game they always looked fun mm-hmm. but now that there's a zelda warriors game i am i can't wait for this i right. totally am gonna play this and it came out and uh the reviews were like, this runs like dog shit. Ooh. It's fine, but it runs like shit on the Switch. Why is it, what, why, what is it doing on the Switch? Like, shouldn't it be on the Switch Pro? Shouldn't it be, I mean, it'll never be on PC, but you know, but, and that is for a game that's not like a mainline Zelda game, you know, like deal breaker for me. I'm not going to spend my time like sure. hacking and slashing at 26 frames a second or whatever the Switch no. is going to, you know, chug at. Yeah, no, that would be that would just be painful. <laughs> so I skipped it, but uh, but it was so so have you you have not done any of these these warriors games, but you're about to embark on Strikers. Yeah, no, I actually even tried the demo for I think it was Hyrule Warriors, mm-hmm. or no, maybe it was Age of Calamity because that was Age more recent. I tried right. it and I was like, you know what, I love the world of breath of the wild so much yeah, that i thought so well much. maybe and like no the demo is just not interesting to me so i was like yeah. all right that's fine other people will enjoy it on i go sure you know yep skip skip i mean i like uh, to kill i just don't like to kill <laughs> like 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 the, the killing has to come in a very specific type of i don't know it's very hard to put into words like the first th- thought i have is of diablo and that's not what we're here to talk about today but like yeah it's just not something about it doesn't engage me so i'll leave it at that there is a satisfaction to a certain kind of kill or 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 achievement or point or whatever the mechanic is in the game and and i'm i'm actually eager to talk about that in another context shortly so we will get there but uh thank you alex for writing in yes thank you alex you rock 
We we there's no rules for this email address. It is have entered the chat at gmail.com. No, you you're can, wrong. There is there is one rule. What's the rule? No nudes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind one or two. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. But we if just tell us what you're playing. If you're playing something we have talked about. We want to hear about it. If you're playing something that you think we'd be interested in, we want to hear about it. If you're playing something that we have no fucking clue what it even is, we want to talk about it. And you think it's worth talking about it, we want to yep. look it up. We want to check it out. Uh, so, have entered the chat at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, we hope to hear from you. We hope to discuss your email on the show. Moving on to what are we playing right now? You have something that is just very upsetting to me. So uh, please begin. <laughs> that is like the best lead in, I swear. <laughs> okay. So this past week, I, I thought I was going to talk about Loop Hero this week. And I mean, I could briefly, but like I've played it twice and I don't feel like, mm. uh, I feel like I could talk about it, but that's kind of like, I've barely scratched the surface of this incredibly like rich, deep, like strategic idea. And like, I just feel like I don't have enough to be able to really talk about it. So maybe next week. That but, makes sense. But briefly, like, do brief you not like, here's what it's all about, but do you like it or are you like, whoa, this is cool, but weird. I don't know. No, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's cool. I really appreciate that. It's kind of unlike anything else that I've played. Although there is to me like uh, just like the slightest whiff of the Oregon trail in it. Oh, I don't know if it's wow. because Oregon trail like naturally plays forward on like kind of an auto it's not a loop, but you know, like, like you kind of watch things happening while you're going down the trail and you're like, oh my God, someone died or whatever. This is and different. you have to stop. It, right. The game, the game, Oregon Trail stops and says, your wagon wheel's broken. What do you want to do? Right. Right. Yo, and so I've never heard slight. that, that comparison. No, very but it's slight. actually quite. I just played it apt. too. I just replayed Oregon Trail like maybe hmm. three weeks ago. So it was fresh in my mind. But cool. I mean, I have to stress that it was like just a breath because I do think that in my personal experience, I really never played anything like Loop Hero before. But I also tend to lean away from like strategic kind of like I, I'll never play like SRPGs because I feel like I don't have the kind of brain that enjoys Okay. that style. So I don't know if this is going to eventually get to a point where I'm managing so many resources and doing so many things that I'm like, no, like I'm not having fun. I'm not there yet, but I'm like, am I going to hit that place? So that's where I'm at right now. Interesting. But you I know can what? say that people that enjoy interesting hybrids and games that are unlike anything they've tried before should probably try it. Right. And I'll, and I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that like, it is, I, I know and love the games you are talking about avoiding where it's like, I have 400 units on the map that do all do different things and I'm strategically placing them. Like, I get that. And I also get why that's too much. 
Um, I don't think loop hero becomes that because you're really only focused on one hero and that hero's gear and stats at any one time. So it doesn't, it, it goes deep, but it doesn't sprawl if that Interesting. makes yeah. sense. It does. And that might be the thing that makes it really work for me then. You know, I just, I kind of had that paranoid moment of like, it's going to make me want to do the big strategy and like mm. my brain is too ADD to even consider <laughs> like managing that many things the stra- there there in a weird way there is almost no big strategy because your the strategy happens on the fly and even when you think like oh yeah i got this game figured out uh then it then it it then it's throws like, nope. you a curve it's like i nope. love that so keep going uh and perhaps we will revisit when you have uh more more thoughts Yes. Well, I'm guessing by next week I will. But so to get back to the thing that you really hate. Um, so <laughs> this past week, I didn't week, say hate. I just said it just said very upsetting. Very upsetting. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe very upsetting isn't quite in the hatred valley yet. But um, so this week I was reminded out of the blue of a game that I had not completely forgotten, but a game that I haven't thought about regularly in a bit. So let's rewind to. Let's go back once again in this podcast to 2007. Okay. Where I am at uh, the Game Developers Conference for the first time covering it. And a friend that I'm staying in the hotel with walks up to me and says, you should really play this game. And he hands me the cartridge for my Nintendo DS Lite for Rhythm Tengoku, which is a Japanese franchise that is about, it's a music game right it's a rhythm game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like rhythm games i've always liked rhythm games i was never like a hardcore ddr player or anything but like i enjoy rhythm games so i was like okay so i put this into my system and i think that night i like was up until like 3 30 in the morning playing it i could not put this game down the best combination that i can explain and by the way rhythm tengoku eventually became what america knew as rhythm heaven and okay, right. Were, That's the, the the name I know, which which you correct. jotted down here, and uh, not familiar at all. But uh, the name uh, is familiar. Is it it did, yeah, it did come over to um, to the Wii, and I feel like maybe there even was like a oh yeah, you know what? There's a 3DS version that's like a collection of all of them and a okay. remaster. But that's how I learned about Rhythm Tengoku, and and at the time that the person handed me this cartridge, it was all in Japanese, and there was no <laughs> English version of any of these games. Oh, was, so you're just fumbling through trying to figure out what does what? Well, I could read Japanese at the time, so I mean, oh, that's I, right. I mean, I can. I forgot. So, so yeah, so it was it was okay with me. But if the connection that I wanted to make before I go further into what this is is that there was another series that some people did know because i do believe that it had uh, u.s releases called WarioWare. did you ever play yeah. those games no i did not but i'm oh, vaguely vaguely familiar well, WarioWare is weird and and so is rhythm tengoku and what became rhythm heaven but like the concept between both or uh, between both games that they share is that you're playing a bunch of little tiny mini games and each yeah. mini game has you do a different thing and in, in concept you're like well that doesn't sound like it's that interesting but then you play and like there's something there's something about the combined like kind of frenetic pace of the mini games and mm-hmm. like the weirdness of these games <laughs> like 
WarioWare is weird, even though like it's in like the Wario, like Nintendo universe. It's just strange. Like it's hard for me to put into words exactly how, but it like you play it and you're like, what is this? <laughs> you know, D- different from like the Mario parties of the world where totally it's a board different. game and there's a lot of cutesy mini games that have their own fun challenges, but they all, they all, uh, make sense or are fun at parties and the WarioWare stuff is like no. bizarre. No, WarioWare is unapologetically weird and Rhythm Tengoku <laughs> is also unapologetically weird but more weird in my opinion okay. than WarioWare okay. was. So like, and here's an example. So Rhythm Tengoku is all about the music and mm-hmm. the music is incredible. I cannot mm-hmm. recommend this music enough. Like, I used to sometimes play this game and when I was having trouble like hitting the beats on time in the game, I would close my eyes mm. in order to hit the beat on time and almost always would be able to nail it because the wow. music was that well synced. And like sure. I'm very picky about rhythm games and their music because if they don't get that music exactly right, the gameplay experience is not fun. Also, I'm holding every rhythm game ever in my head up to Rhythm Tengoku. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So in the mini games of Rhythm Tengoku, you're doing at first you're like, oh, I'm a I'm a guy in a karate suit and I'm punching I'm punching a someone that's throwing like flower pots at me and I'm punching them. You're like, well, that's not that weird. <laughs> and then you go on to the next level and you're like, I have a pair of tweezers and I'm tweezing what looks like whiskers off an onion, and the onion yeah. has a face and it's smiling yep. at me. And you're like, okay, this is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you continue on into these like mini games that just are successively weirder and weirder. But like, if you love Japanese humor, and I do mm-hmm. very, very mm-hmm. much, like mm-hmm. you're immediately just going to be like drawn in all the way. And mm-hmm. one of my mm-hmm. goals when I went to Japan for the first time was to find the Rhythm Tengoku arcade cabinet in an arcade uh, and play cool. it, which I did. Yes. <laughs> and it was a joy. Nice. So uh is this quick quick question about the humor is is that sort of japanese humor um does is it ref is it making cultural references or is it like haha at like laugh out loud humor or is it like surrealist this is weird for weird's sake in japan and outside of japan weird everywhere that exactly that it's just surreal and weird and but the flavor is what i can only explain as distinctly japanese and i think that's just because i've consumed so much japanese culture in my life meaning even if you grew if you are a japanese person grown born and raised in japan you wouldn't be like oh it's the onion guy with whiskers you'd be like what the (laughs) fuck is this this is ridiculous right you have the same reaction as we are having right (laughs) i mean yeah maybe like sometimes they might like and another question that you just kind of like asked in there was like well you know like what about like this is cultural Mm-hmm. like are the jokes cultural are the like things that you're doing cultural and uh, 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 so hard to put into words like yes and no mm-hmm. uh i you know I, it, it's one of those things that's so hard to explain it, it it seems easier to just literally be like here watch this video and sure. you can explain and we it. don't have to go all the way down the the rabbit hole here but uh yeah i just i am i'm always fascinated by um the cultural uh baggage or references or uh, you know you, 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 ever, you ever do you ever watch a piece of media and then you step back from it and you're like 
if I didn't speak English and grow up in the United States, like I would have, I would be an alien. Like I, I would, I would have an aliens, an extraterrestrial's understanding of what this is because it is so laden with um, culture re- references to. Like I, I, I am, I am a, I am a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater. 3000. Yes. Um, it truly my my favorite piece of media of all time. You know, that but that's not a game, of course. And you watch an episode and it's like every single joke they are saying is a reference to another song, movie, political <laughs> figure, uh, whatever. And it's like I, I think I think about showing Mystery Science Theater to my daughter, and I'm like, she would get 1% of the jokes if she's lucky because she hasn't been alive long enough to get the jokes. <laughs> and I just, I, I, this is very far afield from what we're talking about, but I just find analysis of humor and the cultural um, uh, baggage of humor to be fascinating, and which is why I asked you the question, would a Japanese, what would a Japanese person think of this weird game? You know, I'm I'm reserved to answer that as a, you know, white American, but I I think I think many Japanese gamers probably liked it and thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um so, to get to the point. The point is that the friend that mentioned briefly Rhythm Heaven, Rhythm Tengoku franchise in his tweet briefly said da 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 da, well, you know, Rhythm Doctor. And I'm like, what's Rhythm Doctor? So I go to look. Rhythm Doctor is a, as they describe it themselves, a tough as nails one button rhythm game inspired by Rhythm Heaven. <laughs> you you have lost me. I'm out. <laughs> you know, uh, you know that that it's not an emoji. It's it's like an emote uh, of like the guy flipping the table. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that was literally me. Like like I howled. I was like, what? Yeah. So I watched the trailer and I was like, oh my God. So somehow, some way, I had this this has been around. And Okay, I, I was about to ask, like, this is brand new or this has been out? No, it's been around. It's literally five dudes whom okay. I would write a love letter to literally all of them. Mm-hmm. Five dudes who have been working on this project from what I'm able to tell since 2014 but maybe earlier because the fir- they it was it was a student showcase selection at the independent games festival in 2014 so what's very interesting to me about that is that it is still in uh what do you call it on steam when a game is like is like currently being worked on you can buy it but it's still being worked on early access thank you steam early access it's still in steam early access which i was like okay. holy wow like you guys okay. have been working on this game now for what eight years i i kind of love that when the when the game is great you know like it's it it is there are games that are always works in progress and i don't care if you say this is 1.0 or this is early access i don't care if i'm gonna spend money for a product and it's great then it's great and it will continue to get greater and greater Right. As it's developed. And I, I, I love when that happens. It sounds like it's happening here. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I admire that. In fact, I, I passingly said to my husband, I said, I think it's so cool. You know, like in the in the AAA world, we are having, you know, more and more games come out that are just 
broken just yeah, fucking yeah. borked and they're like may yeah. i have your 60 to 90 dollars if you buy a deluxe version and then you know right. you release like a cyberpunk and you're like are you fucking joking yeah so you have that you know and then you have people who openly are on steam like hey it's not done it's nowhere near done but we would like you to help us make it as good as it can be so you can pay for it if you'd like to pay for it just be aware that like you are going to play an active role and i'm like oh my god like one of those is so admirable and awesome and one of those is so garbage <laughs> i i just cannot uh agree with you more of course and uh, <laughs> we're, i'm going to talk about this briefly uh later and also i i i say that minecraft is the most important video game ever made really? I, I stand by that statement yeah i feel very strongly about that for a thousand reasons we could talk about another time but yes when that's minecraft one whole episode. Came, yeah for sure when it arrived on the scene it blew my brain apart because I was like, uh, I'm sorry, the, this, the game is not done, but I can buy it now for $12. Right. And then I can like, and this is before early access was a thing known as, a, as early access, as, as far as I remember. Um, and also the developer who was just one guy at the time was like, and here's what I'm working on. And here's what's going to happen next update. And here, and now we take that for granted, but at the time in 2009, I want to say, yeah, that was really, really mind-blowing and to, to me. And it was, I remember being so excited of like, wow, this game is like the most amazing thing I've ever played. And then on Halloween, they're going to add <laughs> a new tree or something. And I was like, oh my God, a new thing will come into this game that I already love. And now that is what games are. But back then it was the template for early access and uh anyway continue i love early access. <laughs> i love it well actually um so sort of go back to the whole my discovery and and howling at the computer when i discovered this game so rhythm doctor is not new but what happened is that the company that made it or rather the developers that made it who are called uh seventh beat games okay. um they just released it onto Steam Early Access on February 26th. So Of this year? Yes. So it was in development and playable somewhere else, but then brought it to Steam proper Correct. recently. Well, it gotcha. looks to me like they honed it throughout, like bringing it to different, like, you know, indie showcases and shows. Yep. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. now I, my understanding is that it's also, it also allows you to make your own levels because it's got a level editor Ooh, and it's that's in Steam wonderful. Workshop. So that's Love really it. cool Great. because the skeleton of what they call a, uh, hardcore one button rhythm game is that, you know, you really only have one thing you have to do which is press a button at a certain time and like everything around that is like you know you can manipulate that if you have level editor tools and i've never done that i'm not going to get into that right now but mm -hmm. um so i'm already like over the moon because i'm like these guys were like so inspired by rhythm tengoku that they decided to make their own games and like i am freaked so i like run as fast as i can to steam throw my <laughs> money at the screen like boot it up and i'm just like that, and just the that, I heard and then the, and then you're like hey that's not how steam works i gotta enter my credit card details <laughs> right, right i'm like pounding the the screen with a card i'm like open up <laughs> so uh the best praise and i will say honestly that i've played rhythm doctor probably a total of two hours 
because I, I literally found out about it, I think, the day before yesterday. So I, okay, I've yeah, played very, it for very a, a very small amount of time so far. But the best compliment I can give Rhythm Doctor is that it somehow manages to completely encapsulate and pay homage to everything I love about the Rhythm Tengoku series mm-hmm. while also being its own game. What what else can you ask for? That is oh magic. My God. That is, sounds amazing. Is, it is a literal like poem in the world of one button rhythm games to me. Yes. So the concept, how they built it. And by the way, Rhythm Tengoku has like no real story. Like it's just that's hmm. a part of its weirdness. Like I don't even know how to explain what you're doing. But Rhythm Doctor has a story. And okay. basically what's happening is that you heal patients by um uh like defilbrating in time to their heartbeats so each patient Uh. has a different heartbeat and you have to defeat these like boss viruses (laughs) trying to sabotage your rhythm to the music right simple concept the writing is excellent excellent like just starting it so far i've been like like the little jokes like i think the either third or fourth patient that i helped um his name or basically his his issue was that um he couldn't stop listening to um lo-fi hip-hop <laughs> and so it had set like set off like his like heart rate or something and so like yeah like he comes in and he's he's got his little like you know like hip-hop like lo-fi set up and, and i'm just like oh my god like they're referencing all these things that like are a part of my internet culture but at the same right. time they're also paying homage to rhythm heaven but at the same time they're also doing their own thing and i'm just like literally gaga over well we we, we've been talking about mixing up we've been talking a lot about mixing up genres we talk about Lupero uh, mixing up these genres and you know musou game you know licensed musou games mixing up what your favorite characters in this crazy new thing and so you're you're describing a fucking rhythm game and and i'm just sitting here thinking like you know what i you know what i really love about guitar hero the writing yeah like that 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 shouldn't exist that's not a thing and here it is it's a thing so it's so interesting when i followed them on twitter i noticed that one of their tweets they said like if you liked rhythm doctor here's another rhythm game that we really liked and the end of the tweet said story heavy rhythm games are back and i was like back from where when were they ever here (laughs) well there are some there are a few but i don't uh, I haven't gone that far with Rhythm Doctor yet. I mean, I already mm-hmm. like am madly in love with what I see. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know, what? Yeah, like, what did you guys play? Did you guys play something different than what I played? Mm-hmm, right, because, yeah. what, do you, what do you know? I mean, look, Rhythm Tengoku, actually, now that I really think about it, rather than having one long story, it kind of tells mm-hmm. little minute stories within the mini games, And mm-hmm. those have their own kind of uh, elegance is not the right word. There are little minute stories that kind of make you feel something. That's, that's, that's how v- I can vignettes, put it. Uh, vignettes. And it sounds yes. th- that the, pa- the like, let now let's save this patient. Now let's move on to the next patient with it, with their own story. Like that structurally sounds similar. And also writing doesn't have to be, you know, uh, once upon a time, the end, the right. writing is uh, weird, crazy onion guys. That's fine. Oh my God. It's so onion good. Whisker guys. It's so good. In fact, I was so excited by this entire thing 
that, I, you know, I, I bought Rhythm Doctor, but I was at work when this happened. So I bought it and mm -hmm. I like, you know, I, as hard as it was, I was like, I'm going to leave that there. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. the next thing I did was I went and I dug my Nintendo DS Lite out of a box that that has my rhythm tengoku cartridge in it and i charged it for the first time in like six years <laughs> because i was like i'm gonna replay that too because this nice. has brought back all that excitement and passion and joy of how weird and delightful it is so yeah i'm in like a happy nostalgic like old and new like reverie and it's just great that's it's that so great is, so big shout outs to seventh beat i'm so excited i will definitely be keeping an eye on them from here on out because i'm just really impressed with this game so far side related question uh i've never owned a handheld since the original game boy and of course now the switch sure so i never i've never played a single single game on a ds or a dx or a 3ds or anything mm. And and my question for you is, given that context, if I were to acquire one of those systems, are, are there a bunch of like Zelda, Mario, Metroid, uh, oh, whatever games that yes. I missed out on that yes. I could then cozy up and, and 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 do those games hold up? And I'm not strictly talking about Nintendo franchises. I'm talking about anything is there any like uh yeah. true magnificent workout because yes. like i think we malign i don't know not we not i i don't really think this but i think when i get a console i get a console i get a nintendo and mm -hmm. a mobile console is kind of like oh well those are just ancillary games that i can live without but but it's not, not though i mean i can see why you would think that for sure but like I was I actually never owned an original Game Boy, which, of course, was like the thing that started everyone. Right. But like, I think the Game Boy Advance was maybe my first yes. one that I was like, okay. oh, man. And the reason why I was attracted to it is not because of a specific game, but because I have a natural pull to anything that kind of reminds me of NES time. Yeah. And like to me, a lot of the games that were available had a kind of almost NES vibe to them. Mm -hmm. like. I also felt like games popped up on handheld systems that were a little creative and more weird at that time. Yeah. Well, the story of Link's Awakening is I never knew it. And it was basically like, hey, make a we need another Zelda game to sell Game Boys, like do whatever you want. And the and <laughs> the, this brain trust at Nintendo was like, oh, what if we did this crazy shit and that crazy shit? And what if it's all a dream? And what if link bounce jumps up and down like a mario level and it's like yeah none of that canonically makes any sense in the no. zelda given the history no. of zelda but it, but it's but it's and i never played the original but played the remake and found it to be lovely if not oh. obtuse and challenging in ways that are like all right fuck this i'm just gonna look up the wiki for this because no, I, did. I didn't finish it but oh my god when i was playing it i was just in pure delight because i did not play the original <laughs> either okay so i loved it but so to briefly answer your question i just looked mm -hmm. up on my phone on the mm -hmm. 3ds alone you have uh let's see triforce heroes which i absolutely adored Okay. Uh, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds also probably one of my favorite Nintendo that's the Zelda one I Nintendo am missing games. that's oh, the one God, that everyone so loves and and it's a it's a gaping hole for me so good so good um also you can play Oracle of Ages which was actually 
also incredibly good and one that a lot of people missed because it was on Game Boy Color, I think. Okay. Also really, really good. Um, so Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons are on there. Um, the ability to replay games like uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's mm-hmm. Mask, like on a smaller with kind mm-hmm. of like more streamlined stuff. So all that is is an option. But that's just mm-hmm. 3DS. Like if I was to go back to DS yeah. Lite, there'd be even more. Also, right. the other one that I think is like a I would buy a literally buy a system for this was Phantom Hourglass. Okay. So good. So okay. good. Um Yeah. I, you're making me think and then and then uh, like you know most zelda games are going to be great but like w- right. are, are there hidden gems on these systems that are like in my opinion w- yeah yeah yes. any in my any opinion, examples sure. that you that off the top of your head like oh this is not a nintendo official game this is like a random game that is actually great on handheld man <laughs> There, there's there's so i'm like i'm like where do i begin there's literally so much and i'm just, just give like, me one give me okay, one uh well, this is not the only thing you can play it on but world ends with you was a big favorite of mine that came from square and that okay. was originally on um ds but you can now play that on a console um another one that comes to mind is Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. I really, really, really loved that. Um, I don't that think I've ever heard of that. 3DS, I think. Okay. Um. Oh my god! So this this might be another game like like Rhythm Doctor, where I'm like all over it, and you're like, kill me. <laughs> but there was a game that I absolutely adored. It was only I think two of two of them. I think called Trauma Center Under the Knife. And Trauma Center was basically like, like you had to use the touchscreen capabilities of the DS to try to like save people's lives in like real time surgeries. And okay. oh my god, like the the stress. But but also but it was the, rhythm. It was rhythm. No, or no, no, no rhythm. Literally okay. just like you're a surgeon trying to save people's lives. And it inspired a successor called surgeon simulator later but was no that i don't I'm think it was of, anywhere yeah. near as good i i really enjoyed that so yeah that <laughs> was a surgeon big one simulator and now in vr for extra <laughs> right. uh, craziness if i'm not mistaken oh and then the 999 series started on uh i think ds so there's more of them now but the first one was called 999 nine hours nine persons nine doors it's kind mm. of like a escape room slash puzzle story um about uh a bunch of strangers locked together in i think a boat is the first one but it has kind of i was gonna i was actually gonna compare it to an anime and then i just realized that i don't know whether or not you'll know um gantz g-a-n-t-z have you ever heard of gantz before i only know it from the anime guides video guides we have done at work which you have probably written and voiced and whatever so i'm (laughs) only vaguely aware well it's kind of the same concept um a bunch of strangers wake up and find themselves like in a space and they don't know how they got there and then they quickly find out that like they're playing some sort of game and like they don't really know how to win but they have to figure it out in order to like save their own lives within a certain period of time and the 999 series is the same concept but also excellent writing um 
I was going to say, this sounds like some story, story heavy, writing heavy, text heavy stuff on a, on a, on a handheld, which, uh, I, I, yeah, I guess there was I, a ton of it. Honestly, there was a great. ton of it. And then like a, for, um, <laughs> for the, uh, the PSP RIP, um, yeah. I bought that because that was really JRPG heavy, but the JRPGs right. that were on it were actually good. Um, versus yeah. now we're like, it's so glutted that like, I don't know what's good and what's not anymore, but that, you know, I, I was about to ask like, why were there no final fantasies or other JRPGs on the Nintendo handheld systems? And, and there, there must have been, but I can't, I don't remember any flagship big was what uh, was fire emblem on they that was on mobile right that was I on think, uh, yeah Nintendo. i think it might have been for final fantasy it it did appear on on ds but they would kind of do like these little spin-off type of things and they weren't bad but they weren't great well That's, it was like the cheap the chibi style stuff yeah, I, right, like yeah, crystal exactly chronicles that. and those kinds of games am i exactly m- but like not confusing titles the stuff i i enjoyed on like ds and 3ds was the remakes of stuff like final fantasy 3 final fantasy 6 because they yep. were games i hadn't played so i got to play them portably you know um those when you say a remake of final fantasy 6 on on my personal list of favorite games ever made uh we talking like a, a true port of the SNES or updated you know, whatever graphics? I think I can't I can't remember exactly, but I do think that they updated a little. Actually, it's it's been a really long time. But I think yeah. what they did was they made like new cutscenes for them. That sounds familiar. Maybe. I'm not opposed to that, but the the updated like the mobile graphics for the for those re, those mobile app remakes are garbo. Oh that sucks yeah you know what i think what they did was went through and did like the chibi style remake if i'm not mistaken yes, exactly and which, i do think i enjoyed on. some of those mm-hmm. but um but yeah i think yeah final fantasy started i think my memory is the is the game boy advance it might have been earlier but mm-hmm. i know that a lot of people really enjoyed um final fantasy one and two dawn of souls which was uh like the mm. two games combined and that had some little like you know, cool additions here and there, but yeah, there's, I mean, in my opinion, there was a really thriving world. And I think that what actually, um, one of the things that made Nintendo want to get the idea of, well, how can we combine a handheld and a, a main, you know, a major video game console was that the 3ds and I probably the DS before it was like one of its best selling like systems of all time. Absolutely. People loved it. And of course it wasn't as graphically, you know, stellar as, as a full console would be, but that's why I think it reminded me of NES. Cause when I played NES games, I obviously wasn't there for this, you know, stellar graphics, but I guess there's something in me that felt like the NES era was a time when you could be very experimental because mm-hmm. games were, you know, smaller and, and, you know, like I played some weird games on the NES. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I remember this one that I rented. It was so weird. It was called princess tomato in the salad kingdom. I am aware. Of oh it. my God. And I remember just being like, you know, like maybe nine years old trying to play this game and absolutely fascinated, which basically it's like a point and click, like adventure game. But you know, I'm just like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> like, why is that turnip crying? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? I, and, because, and then I remember there you, was you, an RPG that was like, like set in Egypt and you, it was called tombs and treasures. And you were like, like exploring mm-hmm. like, like Egyptian tombs, like stuff like that was just weird and awesome to me in that time period. And then like, I think there was a big gap where that didn't exist before steam came about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, there's a long, a long distance, a long space between those right. meaning like that steam is also in a, a weird, exp- can be a weird experimental play. Like it's your, you can get your triple A games there, but you can also get bizarre, right. weird, crazy shit. And I love weird games. I've always yes. loved weird games so much, which is probably why rhythm Tengoku was like literally like a Valentine from like heaven. But I mean, yeah. So, so I think I, yeah, like I bought into handhelds because I expected at that time period to see more weird stuff on it. And I was not disappointed. Yeah. You're, you're taking me to a place and I, I'm having this experience uh, <laughs> a lot lately, which is, and I think you will relate. Um, I have a, I have a small, nothing to write home about collection of old consoles and cartridges and whatever. And I have no, I, I, I am not interested in hooking them up and plugging them in. I just want cool, old, you know, Ataris yeah. and Segas and Nintendos to be on a shelf. And I want to look at them cause they are boxy mm-hmm. and chunky and pretty. And so my wife and I are always on the lookout for estate sales or yard sales or thrift shops where it's like, oh, here's a lot of, you know, NES games and, you know, 10 bucks, take them all, whatever. And you look at these cartridges and I'm having this experience where I'm like, whoa, I did not own this game, but I went to Blockbuster and rented it six times. (laughs) because it was weird or cool or i had to finish it or i had to hope that when i returned it on friday that i would get it again on tuesday and that it would be the same cartridge with my save file because no Uh. one would overwrite my save because they rented it the other day and i and, and i'm having all this nostalgia for games that i did not own oh. but played either re- even games that i'm like Oh my God, this game was horrible. And I, even as a dumb kid, I knew it was bad, but I remember playing it. Wow. Crazy. Yes, Yes, totally. And I feel like that is such, that was so formative to my like overall flavor and interest in games, you know, early on, like to this day, God knows how many decades later. Yeah. I love trying out weird stuff. And like Loop Hero, to go back to that, is a perfect example of a game that quite frankly looks like it could have literally appeared on the NES. Oh. Uh, and, for sure. And and it, it has it captures that same kind of weirdness, but also like awesome innovation where you're like, wow, what like what am I doing? This is so neat. Like you're literally doing something and you're going, I, I don't think I've really done these things in combination before. Wow. Right. Right. So uh, then and then you're you're making me now feel and remember like I would go to the video store and be like God, please let them have Star Fox there. Like they, they, the, the video store would have, yeah. you know, three copies of the hottest game. And you'd right. go and be like, I, oh, please let them have the game I want. And they don't because everyone wants that game. Ugh. So then you're browsing the picked over shelf and you're like, all right, I guess I'll pick this 
fucking tomato princess in the turnip kingdom or whatever the fuck it is and you bring it home and you have to play something because you spent your five dollars to get something and god damn it i'm going to enjoy this fucking turnip princess game and it's bad and weird and and stupid but you are playing a weird ass game that you would never choose but you have to play it and that to your point became an uh, we have this weird eclectic memory of bizarro software that yeah. uh no one would choose in their right mind yeah and i i love that honestly i love that like and i i think it it does really does really make my heart kind of soft when i see like you know something <laughs> like loop hero right and i'm just like i love that this is something i would have loved what if i if i discovered it 30 years ago and, ah, but and, it, and I, it could not exist. It could not exist 30 years ago because it is a game that takes all the mechanics and lessons and sophistication yep. from 30 years of game design and mixes them into a cauldron. That's right. And out comes a game that that looks like it's from 1987, but could never have existed in 1987. Yeah. Oh, that, my God. I love that. I love that description. Yes. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so awesome. Well, uh, keep keep us posted on Rhythm Doctor. It it looks rad. The mu- you you sent a trailer that it, the music is spectacular. And then I I have a hang up on rhythm about rhythm games. Like I don't. Well, funny. Speaking of Alex's question, what game what game genre have you tried and then ended up liking? Um, I never cared for rhythm games. I always had a just a a, a dick chip on my shoulder of bias of like. <laughs> I actually play musical instruments. So why would I play Guitar Hero? Like (laughs) when Guitar Hero came out, like I actually had a band in high school. So we would go and play real gigs. And if I wanted to fantasize about being a rock star, I would just, you know, pretend to be a rock star in real life, whatever. Right. So, so I, and so the idea of hitting A instead of actually playing a real guitar, like, if I'm playing a video game, I want to be flying a fucking spaceship. If I'm right. playing a video game, I want to fight a dragon. If I I don't want to play a video game and be, you know, a doctor or a or a or a, a guitar player, you know, so that and that's just like a very that's a me problem. That's right. a bias problem. So I, rhythm games it just just did not appeal. I also don't like I don't like d- I don't like games with di- with difficulty where the difficulty is about reflexes or skill. I don't like platformers. I don't like like punishing right. platformers at all. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it to you or where or whatever, but like I, I recently stopped playing Hollow Knight because I love Hollow Knight. I think Hollow Knight is a spectacular, beautiful, amazing game in every way, but I hit some walls where i could not get through certain rooms because it required very precise platforming Mm. and i'm like well the fun has ended i have stopped having fun and i just had to put it away and i was like fuck god damn it i'm not playing super meat boy i know i will i don't want to play super meat boy i'm playing hollow knight a metroidvania that i love every second of right but i had to i had to put it down yeah and so uh, to wrap around uh the the difficulty of this rhythm doctor game and the and the challenge of these kinds of games that require a very precise precision you can't you can't grind and level up like in in other tactical games or whatever it's like well i can't beat this boss but i can 
gain stati- stats on various things so I can eventually come back and overcome the challenge. Right. I fucking love that. Right. I will never get better at a rhythm game or a, or a precision platformer because I have hit the wall. Point See, you being, say that. You say yeah. that. But let me tell you, I spent all of last summer going from... I don't even know if I can play pistol whip on easy mm-hmm. to ranking in the top hundred of every hard level that the game Which has to offer is astounding to me. I love that you are like, Oh, I didn't just beat my own score and progress. I'm literally in the top worldwide. Yeah. Pistol whip. Yeah. Players. And the only way I did that was because I was so obsessed with the basic game. And this is also another thing that could fill a whole episode, but the mm-hmm. TLDR is I was so obsessed with that basic game and I enjoyed what it felt like to be in that game and play that game so much that I wanted to play the levels until I could get the maximum out of them. So I think that for games like hollow Knight and stuff like that, which by the way, I also don't, I also hit the wall and go, no, I'm not having uh-huh. fun. Right. Uh-huh. But I've been told by people in the um, the Twitch communities around Dark Souls, which, by the way, are massive right. and right. dedicated, right. that they're, right. it's, it's so much more than just it's so hard. That's what it sounds like from outside. But from the inside point of it, they say it's, it's a much deeper overall experience of kind of like navigating an obstacle, you know, and figuring yeah. out from all these different perspectives how they can yes. possibly do it. So I see the appeal and I also am attracted to that in certain specific types of game formats. But exactly. I don't I also don't want to pay money and sit down and have something frustrate me so much that I just hit a wall and I'm like, nope, can't do it. it it's about the time also for me of like I don't want to do the same I understand that Dark Souls is about doing the same boss fight over and over and over and over and over until you overcome. And that feeling of overcoming that challenge, I get, I I have mad respect for that. Mm -hmm. But it is, I, Dark Souls looks awesome. I, I love the look and feel and, and, and I, I, everything I read and I played one, I played the first one a little bit Mm -hmm. and just said no uh to a point but you know this is all leading me uh, hmm it's making me think a lot about challenge and 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 my own uh play styles and is leading me into what i uh, what i'm have gotten back into which is the pure crack cocaine <laughs> that is a little game called star wars squadrons i, I mentioned <laughs> it in our last episode of like hey i you know i I had to step away from it and whatever. And then, you know, just talking about it and then realizing there was a new season in the game. And then also like there have been little tweaks and there have been tournaments happening. And I was just like, okay, what if I just play it a little more and, and, and see what my rank will be. You, you, you play 10 matches and then you get your rank based on how, how well you play and how many wins you get. And I'll get into that and just to see like i think i deserve to be at x rank based on how how much skill i have accumulated over time and there is no like leveling up it it is a skill based game and so i'm i'm contradicting myself deeply here because i'm <laughs> saying i don't like skill based games and and i i don't i've never played a competitive multiplayer game i've played uh, occasionally co-op 
multiplayer games. And right. I also I am excited by the the liveliness and livingness of MMOs or online co-ops, like hopping into games with other strangers and and coordinating with them or c- c- competing against them is exciting to me, but I've never played Rocket League. I've never played Overwatch. Like mm-hmm. I said, I've never done any Call of Duty. I, di- I just couldn't. I, that, that just didn't appeal. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't find a way to get into that. And um, Squadrons... Uh, I think it was leaked and then they were like, okay, here it is. Here's what we're working on. And at first it got a lot of people excited because if you've played the TIE fighter or X-wing simulation games from the nineties, PC games, uh, then this game is for you. And it was delivering on a 20, 30 year promise of like, hey, remember how goddamn great these games were? Ooh. Well, we're back. And and are you do you have any familiarity with like the 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 the, the Star Wars flight sim games from mid 90s does this have any recollection or any any nostalgia for you i only know of them because flight sims have always been a genre that i've like really never gotten near Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i I knew a lot of people who were like obsessed with them the in a nutshell the reason why especially tie fighter was so good is like okay you watch star wars and it's the heroes and they overcome the bad guys but tie fighter was like what if you are just a joe schmo imperial pilot flying a TIE fighter, and you're just going on regular old missions. And it fleshed out the lore of the Star Wars galaxy in a way that was very interactive. And and But then also, flying these ships was like, it's not... It's not Star Fox. It's not an on-rails, like, pew-pew, just shoot everything that comes at you. You are managing your shields. You're managing your engine power. You are thrusting, but then you're, you know, you're braking and you're turning and you're, you're managing. There's a whole power system where it's like you have a, you know, whatever, a reactor on the ship and you can put all your power into engines and you can fly really fast or you can pull that back and put power into your weapons to get the maximum damage on an enemy and that push and pull of managing your systems makes you feel like a pilot as opposed to like pew pew just blowing stuff up you know you, you feel like you are managing you are you are managing a machine that right. needs to have that needs to, that need, there's care that needs to be put into this and it's not the same as like microsoft flight simulator where it's like okay i need to know all these dials and buttons it's it's the star wars version of that and then and then you're just, then you're in a star wars movie and that's cool so wow. and this so this is mid 90s and and there was a very tie fighter especially had a long ass single player story driven campaign where you're working your way up the ranks and 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 it goes from like mundane tasks like inspect the cargo of this cargo ship that's pat you're the empire so you're like hey are you smuggling weapons through this spaceport let me fly up to this cargo vessel scan it and say like oh no you're clean scan the next one oh shit there's a smuggler running some shady shit shoot this guy down <laughs> and it becomes a narrative simulation it, amazing amazing games so squadrons comes out and it's like remember those games well it's 20 2021 Ooh, baby or whenever wow. this came out let's do this and it came out with a single player campaign that is 
lovely and fine. It's basically there to teach you the game. Right. The actual game is a five versus five multiplayer online battle called Fleet Battles, which is objective based. And there are five Empire ships, five Empire uh, fighters, and five. uh, It actually takes place after Return of the Jedi. So technically, they are not rebels, they are the New Republic. They have won, they have destroyed the second Death Star. For all intents and purposes, the rebellion has won the war, but the war has gone on canonically. So this is a this is set in a canonically like post-war. The empire, the the emperor is dead. Darth Vader's dead, but the empire is still like, no, no, we're still here to stay. We don't recognize the new republic, and so the faction is the factions are still fighting. And so this fleet battle is five v five multiplayer, and there are two small capital ships and one massive capital ship for each um for each side and the goal is to is to destroy the cap the the opponent's capital ship right so the why this game is so damn great is that it respects all the stuff from those other games the ship system like they could have they could have made it very arcadey like when it first came on the scene they were like oh is this going to be just a pew pew shoot 'em up because it like battlefront 2 star wars battlefront 2 is another big massive online star wars game right. where you're doing space battles and you're doing ground battles and i never got into it and i actually downloaded it recently and was like ah, this is not for me pc version is like super buggy mm. years later so from 2017 so i was just that sucked uh in general and it, and it had its problems with loot boxes and controversies and stuff um, but those battles are very just like pick a class and you're doing this and then pum pum and shoot as many guys and and I get it it looks really fun but but squadrons is what hooked me was that it's crazy tactical nice because it's all about teamwork because if you are an interceptor you are fast you are maneuverable but you're not gonna take down those capital ships so your job is to fuck up the other team to to mess with them to waste their time to shoot them down if you're a fighter you're sort of a multi-class you know you're an x-wing or a tie fighter you're multi-class you can take out objectives but you're also running interference if you are a bomber you need to bring the bombs and the torpedoes and take down the subsystems of the capital ship. And so the capital, and again, it's not just like, oh, do a thousand damage to this ship and it's dead. The ship has shields, so you need to bring the shields down. Then the ship has subsystems. So you can take out the shield generators um, once the shields are down, which then prevents the shields from regenerating. You can also take out a power system, which creates weak points in the hull of of the capital ship so that you can do like, double damage the next time you do a run and there's an amazing tug of war system it's called morale where if you uh the more enemy players you destroy you get points of morale and so if the mor- morale is in your favor you are attacking you can approach Ooh, the, I like the that. big ships if the morale is not in your favor you are on defense and you if you if you get too if you fly too close to those capital ships while you're in defense mode, 
you will die. It, you, you they they just overwhelm you and you're dead. And so situational awareness of other players, of where you are on the map, of of the capital ships is 99% of this game. But then getting back to what we're saying earlier, like skill. And so I have played probably like 200 some hours of this game. And it's again, it's not about, oh, level, like your level doesn't matter. It's about, have I learned to drift? Have I learned to manage my power systems effectively? Have I learned to say, okay, I played Interceptor. There's also a support class. So there's a, a, tie reaper and uh u-wing which is actually a, a canonical ship from a rebel ship from um the the uh, rogue one uh which is an amazing star wars film yes um, i love rogue one so good um so the so there so i was playing support and interceptor supports like hey i can send shields to my teammates hey i can put targeting beacons on the enemy players so they take more damage and you are weak and slow but you can you can turn the tide of battle because you can um uh multiply the damage or protection on your own squad you can hide your squad there's a squadron mask so you can be your whole squad can be flying together and then you're about to encounter the enemy and then you hit that button and your squad vanishes for 10 seconds oh wow and the enemy is like what there's all these like really deep tactics that squads of players who fly together on the regular have have developed over time so i was playing i was like a wings and interceptors classes are like so fast and maneuverable i found them to be the most fun and survivable like i was dying less and then lately i've been like but i'm unable to accomplish the objectives and when you hop into battle with randos if they understand the teamwork mechanics of the game and each player does their job, you will probably win. But if you hop in with randos and they're like, I'm a bomber, but I'm going to dogfight and I'm an interceptor uh, and I'm going to fly into the Star Destroyer and try to get the, get the Star Destroyer. It's like, well, you're dead. And every time a player dies, you lose morale, which means the the offense like if you're on offense you got to get shit done before the morale flips and you're back on defense if you do not make progress while you're on offense you will lose the match and so if players are like flying into the star destroyer doing suicide runs because they don't understand how the game works you will lose and that sucks and so i found over time i'm like if i play x-wing or tie fighter uh, as my class and i have a loadout for dogfighting and then i have a loadout for uh ion damage which which takes shields off of the capital ships which then enables bombers to then go in and do their business or i can i can do a torpedo loadout which allows me to when shields are down start doing damage on these subsystems i have loadouts now for objective play which and and so what i found is like i can hop into a squad that's awesome or i can hop into a squad that's like not the greatest and still win because i'm like knocking shit out see that's because, awesome because i was gonna say that like if 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 i couldn't find that kind of space where like you know if my game was always ruined by the fact that other people weren't playing well that mm-hmm. that's so frustrating to me that things like that make me never want to play I, I hate playing online with strangers anyway but like yep. like 
the idea that like, you know, not only would I have to play with strangers that I don't like, but on top of that, like they might ruin my ability to enjoy the game. That would make it really tough for me to enjoy. And they did for me. And it took me 200 hours to get good (laughs) at this game. And so this is your pistol whip story, really. This is what I'm saying is like, why, what is wrong with me or what is right with me that like, I hate skill-based games. I hate frustrating learning curve games. I quit platformers like Hollow Knight, but something about this competitive online multiplayer spaceship game uh, kept me going for 200 hours. And now I am not. And there, this com- the community around this game, while small when you talk about a AAA game, mm-hmm. is wonderful and also is trying really hard to become an esport. And I don't mean that in a like try hard way. I- I'm saying when you watch the the streamers, the, the amazing streamers play this game, you're like, holy shit! I, I cannot believe the maneuvers, like. You know, if you know about Star Wars, you're like, okay, you have a, a Star Destroyer, a right. massive capital ship that is impervious. Like, it is it is a monster ship. And I'm in a little A-wing. And I, if I approach this ship at the wrong time, I'm dead. Back to the beginning, you know, load out again, try again. And you watch these streamers who are, like, doing figure eights and drifting all around and and avoiding fire just like the highest level of play yeah. and skill yeah and 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 there are tournaments now where it's like okay you know this squad of like top level players are all getting together and they're versing this other squad and there's there's actually a spectator mode so if if this custom game is is organized and you can find it on the server you can watch them play and you can ho- you can hop into their cockpit and watch them wow, play or, and, and you can watch it on Twitch cool. too. Uh, it's unbelievable. So I, so I am thousands of, you know, light years away from any of these amazingly skilled players, but like <laughs> I'm winning a lot and I'm not saying I, I'm not, I'm not carrying these teams of randos that I happen to uh, be in. Like there are times when amazingly skilled players will make all the difference. Sure. I am not that guy. Sure. But there have been many, many matches lately where it's like at the last second, at the last crucial moment, I was there to launch that missile, to knock out that shield gen. And now that that's down, it, I know for certain if we did not flip that morale at that moment, our team would have lost. Like our team, everyone else did the work later to actually get the win. But if I did not accomplish that thing at that very second there's no there's very little chance we would have won that match would you say that when you have that moment that you do you think you kind of experience a real life uh emotion kind of like that those moments in the films when like han solo like like hits a ship and and goes woo in the cockpit yes like yeah right and so to me like that even though I've never played a flight simulator game of any type myself, like and I pulled up images so I could look at it while we were talking about it. Cause I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to be like, well, what would it be like to be in this world? And like, 
as a person who's never played a flight simulator game, I was kind of like, I would try this if only because I kind of would want to know what it would be like to be in this ship. And I don't think I would be able to maybe win a match or have that feeling that Han Solo feeling for a long time. But like, I think, I think hearing you talk about it and hearing how rewarding it was for you makes it appeal to me. Number one. And then also number two, the other thing that it has me thinking is that, you know, you said, well, I don't know what's wrong or what's right with me. And that like, I don't like, you know, the hollow nights, but that I could spend all this time in this. And to me, that is like a very unusual, like cauldron of things all coming together Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. that make a game not only palatable to you, but like scratching the itch on multiple levels. Like for me, it was like, you know, Pistol Whip made me feel like I was literally John Wick, number one. Number two, (laughs) I started playing it at a time when I was feeling disconnected, angry, and upset because the pandemic Mm -hmm. was starting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to not only dig on this music and enjoy shooting people, which allows me to take out some of my aggression and, and anger, allows me to escape what's happening in the world and come here. But I also have some measure of control over this environment. And I'm not yeah, going to lie, yeah. that felt really good at that point in time. I Get don't that think all that, clicked. Right. So, like, to me, it is like a, it's like an alchemy of like a certain combination of things that come together. And so, this is why I'm not like, there was a time when I'd be like, oh, I'm not a good enough gamer to play like really hard games. Like, I used to say that about myself all the time. And now that I've gone through, my pistol whip experience mm-hmm. and then also my Hades experience, which happened in the same year. And that was my 200 hour game. I can no longer factually say, well, I'm really not good at, you know, these challenging games. No, like those days are over. <laughs> like I can say I got really good at that through sheer determination and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can, so, you know, like it changed my whole perception of myself for one thing, but anyway, not to get too far off into that topic. I do think that, um, that, that alchemy is the thing that makes it alchemy perfect. And, and this was a, yours. is a perfect word. It's, yeah. a, it's a perfect word. And I don't know that I could tease apart all the ingredients in the alchemical formula here. Mm-hmm. I know some of them, uh, as we've discussed, but, um, but you're right. And that Han Solo woohoo moment is exact. (laughs) You and I, we play a lot of games. I play a lot of games. I love a lot of games. I have astounding amounts of fun in lots and lots of games. This might be the only game I can think of in my recent memory or otherwise where I am like shouting. on the couch being like yeah because it is there are some matches where you're like these oh man these guys are they're just flying in a straight line i'm picking them off these guys suck and you stomp the enemy and you win and there are some games where you get you log in and you're like holy shit i can't can't even get out of the hangar i'm being obliterated (laughs) oh my god this guy's level 400 i can't do anything because i'm being stomped to death and then there are the games where it is nail biter, hair's breadth of like, it, if I shoot this laser here at this second, then it's going to turn the tide of battle. And I, I, 
it's emergent gameplay, which yeah. is my most favorite thing about video games. It is the thing about the medium that is most important to me and what differentiates it from all other media. What you watch a movie, it's the same movie no matter what, how many times you watch it. I am playing the same ship class on the five same maps over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. every single battle is different, exciting, emergent because it's like oh shit whoa shit look at this right. guy this yeah. crazy guy's running this crazy build i've never even thought of and he's not killing me but he's doing some crazy thing that's like wow he's ripping my shields off and i can't get a hit in edgewise <laughs> what the hell is this uh, what the hell i can't see any targets on the map where is everybody oh right they're running this squadron mask that is a whole other tactic you know we talked about magic we talked about magic the gathering of like well, look at all these crazy alchemical decks that come together that you yeah. think, oh, well, let me just get the big creatures out that do damage. Well, that's not going to do shit against this other crazy card that's going to, you know, hinder your whole strategy. You think on its face value that a, that a, that a, that a, a pew pew spaceship game would not have that, but this game has it and I just adore it so damn much. Uh, and that's, why I, I have spent a little time this week. I just, again, I want to I wanna rank in this season and see, I, it's 10 matches and it, I have won six out of seven. Like I, I'm on a really good winning streak. And so if I win like the majority of these matches, I want to see like the game will then spit me out into a rank. And I want to see if that rank will be higher than my previous season's rank right. or the same or whatever to see like i think i have improved since last month and i want to see if that is true and then i think i will put it down yeah maybe yeah but still i mean and, <laughs> and, maybe. and you know that's the thing though it's like you know and that was something i also had to think about with hades because like mm -hmm. you know with hades it was like oh my god i'm playing this for so long but i'm still enjoying it so so much and i didn't get all the way to the end i got very 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 close i technically finished the game but it's a game that mm -hmm. has story after the end that you can keep mm -hmm. playing so i was like huh you know well, what did I get, you know, out of it that was so great? Well, what did I, you know, and I thought about all that and I was like, you know, it doesn't have to be a game you play forever. And it doesn't like all that matters is that it completely satisfies you and brings you happiness in however many hours you spend with it. And if that's a long period of time, cool. Like, mm -hmm. that's awesome. You know, like, and I think like listening to you talk about it has really been like, I hear that same like joy and excitement and like electricity that I have felt playing the games that held me for that long too. And what, what was it about Hades specifically that you wanted from it? Meaning, did you just want to beat it? Did you want to unlock all the stories? Did you want to optimize some weapon or run? Uh, what, 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 brought, what kept you in for 200 hours there? I think for myself, well, first of all, like I was super, I was super drawn in right by like setting uh, the Greek mythology mm -hmm. thing was just like, Oh God. Yes. Amazing art mm -hmm. style. The amazing. writing I think was probably the thing that pulled me in the most because mm -hmm. the writing was superlative from the word oh, go. 100%. And it awed me. So I was like, God, this writing. And you know, as a writer myself, like when I'm drawn in by writing, like 
that's it. Like that's, that's <laughs> it for me. So I was like, I have to see where the story is going, but yes, the story continued. I think it was almost like a perfect balance, right? So back to alchemy, a perfect balance of this incredibly engaging writing and these characters, you know, and you get to interact with these gods regularly and kind of like forge relationships with them in a way like like you were leveling up quote unquote the relationships with the gods just like you were with any other um people that you came into contact with so not only did the gods give you powers to help you survive your runs but like every time you interacted with them and and treated them a certain way you were like also deepening those relationships so Mm -hmm. it was all those different levels of things but if i really think about it i think it wasn't about getting the runs perfect or becoming a speed runner or anything like that. <laughs> I think the biggest thing was the was the hand in hand of incredible storytelling and a game that felt simple but like incredibly addictive because like the simplicity made it like oh, well, I can go back and you know, try again. And if I go back and try again, maybe I'll find that this thing will be different or this, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll get a step further with this character. And then what might happen? Like, you know, what will I open up if, you know, Zeus and I like have a deeper bond or, or whatever. And also without giving too much away, the journey that you would make from the underworld to the surface would be to meet a character on the surface who is very important to you in your life, who you had not known up to this point. And mm-hmm. I think that that also was like, what, what is she going to say the next time I see her? Like what, mm-hmm. what will happen next? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was like, the, that was the the one too. So like the story could have been incredible, but if it didn't have that gameplay and, and by the by, Diablo came up as a big comparison in the way Hades played. It was top down. The the fighting was kind of simplistic, you know, wasn't super deep. Like you you weren't doing 85 different things. You know, you had like a light attack, a heavy attack, a couple of spell attacks. Like that was kind of it. Um, But it it was just kind of infinitely. I don't know. Infinitely like crack cocaine was what I was thinking of saying. Yeah. Well, right. The Diablo always felt like not really mindless button mashing, but it was really just like this spell, that, that spell, this, this swing, that swing. And, and Hades feels much more. Oh, that writing. um, Dynamic. Oh my God. The, the, The combat more was more dynamic. Yeah, um, so good. This all this all makes perfect sense, and I agree. Here's what here's what threw me for a, really threw me for a loop. Everything you're describing about Hades is the alchemy for a perfect game for me as well. Plus, everyone in the universe was like, "This is game of the year, greatest game." <laughs> I love Greek. I love Greek mythology. I instantly loved the characters, the writing, and the mechanics of incremental progress. Maybe I said this last episode, but incremental progress is my jam of like, this is hard, this is crazy, I don't know how to do it, figuring it out, come back to base and level up your your hit point stats by five and try again. Mm -hmm. That is the crack cocaine for me. I'm there ready to do it but 
why did I bounce off of Hades? <laughs> it has so, everything I love. You think, but some part of the alchemy didn't quite fit for you. There was something about the about the combat or the loop, the gameplay loop that I just wasn't feeling the combat. I felt the screen was like it was very busy and very like again, the art is spectacular and I felt like I felt like I was not in control of the character. I felt like I couldn't follow where enemies were on the screen so the the combat felt mushy to me which mm. is like not what everyone else is saying everyone else is like the combat's so tight and the weapons are so awesome and i i felt mush when i played it wow. and that really threw me off and and it's true it's truly just me it is it's a me problem cuz i i i know and respect that everyone else in the universe is like hades is the game well, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing, you know, like, I don't think even if you read universal reviews, and that's a perfect example of a game and that like, people are like, Oh, my God, it's so perfect. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's perfect for you, even if it sounds like all those pieces would go together. It really it sounds like if you had said, Call of Duty, this latest Call of Duty, greatest game ever, the game of the year, I'd be like, that sounds great. I'm not gonna play it. But right. this game is is the game for me and i could not uh could not stick with it but but the, the more we talk about it I, I i i think i will return to it one day i think i should come back to it well i will say this and i mean i think if the combat didn't feel good to you that part's really important because you know like obviously you have That's to enjoy what you're going to do percent of uh, right the game, yeah. over and over and over but i will definitely say that for me everything about the gameplay deepened and that included the ways that you progressed and fought. So like everything evolved fast and consistently. So like if you mm -hmm. put five hours into it, for instance, I feel like it didn't even begin to scratch the surface of what you could do. That see, I felt, I remember feeling like, Oh yeah, I know what this game is. I know where this game is going. It's going in all the places I want to go, not feeling it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't feel like I was unaware of what it was going. I, I loved and anticipated the combat getting deeper, and I felt it getting deeper on, a, on that curve. You know, the curve where you're like, some games take really long, way too long to ramp up into the meat, mm -hmm. and some games blow through that beautiful early stage too quickly. Right. And Hades has a beautiful curve that I felt great about and yeah. still was like, oh, I, I don't want to play this I anymore. I know. It's disappointing that like, like to, to hear all that and then like play it yourself and be like, it's not clicking with me and it sucks because it's me. Yeah. It's not the game. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, you can be like, oh, but on another level, like, you know, like I think to me, like when we have this conversation and I think about it, I really like that we kind of solidified the concept of like the alchemy of a game, because to mm -hmm. me, that really is, you know, it's nothing wrong with you. It's nothing wrong with the game. It is a very unique fit. And I, I think that can be said in a lot of different things that we, you know, interact with in our lives, especially our, our relationships as our long-term ones. Um, well, also remember, you said this earlier, why did Pistol Whip click with you at a specific time? Right. Is because we are angry at the world and we want to kill things and people because goddamn, 
this the world sucks right now and so right would you have would you be on the top 100 leaderboard of all time pistol whip in you know 20 2015 i i don't know maybe not. honestly like i yeah maybe not but but i tell you what <laughs> and this is this is just a tidbit that will make you laugh so <laughs> in in pistol whip you can shoot of course with your gun but you know the whole reason that it got that name is that you can also pistol whip you know enemies to kill them right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hit those fuckers so hard so many times that I actually injured my shoulder and had to go to physical therapy. Really? Yes. Uh, is this is because of the force you are swinging with or because you are yes. crashing into furniture? No, it was the VR? force. I was literally punching those virtual dudes like they were enemies and I was going to destroy them. Yeah. And I threw my shoulder out so to speak so that is that is some that's some heavy duty shit <laughs> it Side should be note, horribly embarrassing but it just feels like the right thing to, to tell the story about right now well, did, did you did you like have to say to a doctor your doctor's like oh wait were you skiing were you like water water uh water skiing yeah no were i just i just walked in and was like i play vr video games and i like fuck myself <laughs> up and she's like cool okay cool i mean i'm sure the do- doctors have heard the craziest <laughs> right fucking shit. yeah but that's how uh, it went so yeah i thought i thought that you and our audience would probably really enjoy learning about that i i certainly did <laughs> and also like we need to rent out warehouses to play vr because oh the worst part of vr is like even if you have a normal room, it's not big enough. And no. you then you end up find you end up being like, yeah, let me just get and you're like crash into a bookshelf or something. And yeah, that's, I do it all the time. It's it, you. Yeah. You need an empty room. Yeah. With no furniture yeah. in it. And that's tough. Yes. That's really, really yes. tough. But yes. uh, my husband and I have undoubtedly been like, you know, when we buy the house, mm-hmm. maybe we need to make sure that there's just like, you know an empty or empty-ish room and that's been a real conversation so i but i think that's amazing because um as a couple uh, you're you're on the same page about a lot of things life goals you know sure politics or you know you 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 align on so many things but like for for both people to be like yeah we we, we probably need a dedicated room for for play yeah uh that's spectacular that's that's cool <laughs> i am i am very happy about this idea and if if it does materialize <laughs> i will most certainly be sharing sharing these photos and, and sharing about it so yes of the space i mean just a, <laughs> just just a white empty room a white room yeah. put the computer in another room and just run a cable through the wall and that's it yeah. you're in the you're in the matrix you're in the holodeck there yeah i was about to say it's it's just all it is is us making a space for the holodeck because <laughs> we all know that that's where we're all going we're all heading there well you know we had a lot of other things to chat about but i think we're going to save them for <laughs> yeah. next week's episode um this has been uh, episode two of Colette and Matt have entered the chat. Uh, we're so thrilled that you are listening. As we said, uh, please send us an email with your thoughts on anything discussed here and or 
just whatever you're enjoying or what are you hating? What are you playing that you're bouncing off of? Well, I want to, I should like this game. Why don't I like this? Let's yes. discuss it here. Uh, have entered the chat at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Azure Flux. Our logo is illustrated by Just Call Me Katarina. And, uh, you know, we're just getting started here, but thank you to everyone who has joined us. And if you're on a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, that has a rating or a review system, uh, leave us a review if you're enjoying, because that that really does help podcasts grow. Uh, I make a few of these, and, and I know that to be true. And um, we're keeping an eye on those reviews. So uh, we would love to, uh, you know, read those uh, positive or negative. We would love to share them, discuss them here uh, and get your voice and your take on the podcast as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Colette, any streams coming up? Any projects uh, in the next week or so? Uh, Yeah, for me, um, you know, it's pretty much my same stuff. So twitch.tv forward slash hello Coco B is my... um, my place. You can find me on the Twitch and I do horror streams on Mondays and lettering on Fridays. I will be, I think maybe even painting rather than lettering tomorrow. I've been kind of thinking about moving into some of that. And then um, we are currently playing the Silent Hill 2 fan remade HD version, which is glorious. Uh, And I think I talked about that in depth last week, but that play playthrough continues uh, next Monday. It looks quite good. It looks um, crisp. I was watching the stream yeah, uh, a couple days back. It looks amazing. It's, oh, God, I don't, I mean, we talked about this last week. Like, I don't want to go deep back into it, but uh, I'll just, I'll just say I'm so enjoying it on so many new levels that were not possible mm-hmm. the first time. Like, like my, again, I'm, I'm not familiar with these games at all, as we've discussed, but like mechanically animation wise, it it certainly looks and feels like a, like a PS2 era game, but frame rate wise, uh, uh, texture crispness graphically wise, it looks really, uh, this, this fan remake looks really, um, really sharp. Yeah. They were, you can tell a lot of love went in. It's a lot of love. Yes. Yes, for sure. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, probably. uh, Twitter uh, at Matt underscore Silverman. Uh, That's probably it. Uh, Free dad videos on YouTube. And uh, yeah, we have we have a lot more stuff to to chat about with you. So we're we're looking forward to uh, bringing you into this conversation via Twitter, uh, via email. Uh, you know, leave, leave some comments, uh, in, in, um, Colette's chat when she goes live, all of this stuff can be part of this show. We're looking forward to chatting with you and we will talk at you next Next week. Thanks.